Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host. Joining me, Mel. Mel, so good to see you. I want to talk about optimism today. Optimism. Yeah. What are we going to talk about with optimism? Well, I'm going to tell you what we're going to talk about because, and I think this is an important topic because I would venture to say you're probably a really optimistic person, right? I Well, yeah, but I'm, do you think that or do you think I'm more of a realist? Uh, you know, I don't know. I was just kind of categorizing you generally based on your, what I surmise from your Enneagram, like an yeah. A7. Uh, I know sevens tend to be very optimistic. I don't know. So mate, what are you? Are you optimistic? Yeah. Are you realistic? No, th- Charlie's definitely brought up my optimistic side. So I think you're right. But sometimes I do have a very realistic side, but maybe it's because he has some crazy ideas and wants me to go along with them. <laughs> <laughs> do you think this has anything to do with personality? I know you're major into Myers-Briggs. Yes. Like that's your cup of tea. In fact, the first time you and I sat down and met, you had me pinned on what my Myers-Briggs was immediately. We'd said two words together. I know. Yeah. I, but that's so behavioral. And that's what I love about the Enneagram is that we could both do the same thing for different reasons. And so the Enneagram has really taken a hold of my what I'm learning about. I, I find that a little bit more fascinating right now. But okay. um, I do think that whether you're optimistic, optimistic or a realist or a little pessimist, I think it has to do with your temperament, but I also just, it can, there's so many factors that I think play into it. I don't know if you would agree with that. Yeah, well, I, I do. I think I think personality for sure plays into it, but I'm only saying that based on my own experience because I just tend to be a very almost overly optimistic person. And so for me, I look my vantage point of the world, I look at the world and I go, why is everybody not optimistic? Like what what's the deal? You know? And then part of me tries to throw like scripture into the whole thing where I'm like, hey, Jesus raised from the dead. What like why do we why what do we have reason to be pessimistic for? But I also know the value that Christy brings to me because Christy, although she is a very optimistic person as a seven, I think she has more of a realistic type nature about her mm. that kind of brings me to the ground, tethers me a little bit in a necessary yeah, way. Absolutely. And that makes sense. And so the reason I bring up optimism is because the interview that we have today is with Leanne Lavender, and she could be quite possibly the most optimistic person I've ever met. Yeah, she was pretty optimistic. It very an unbelievable interview, and I think that this has probably helped her with what she has walked through. I mean, she seems to be the kind of person that no matter what life throws at her, she's just going to take it in stride. She's going to go. Oh yeah, she's going to sure. make it happen. So I want to really dialogue about this idea of optimism because I think it fascinates me in terms of maybe is it a predictor of whether or not you walk through tragedy, trial, adversity well or not. So. Well, I don't know. What, do you, what, what comes to mind when you think about optimism? So when I think about optimism, the things that I definitely was uh, noticing in Leanne's life and even this past month, I just read a really interesting book um, called The Tattooist at Auschwitz. And it was about mm. this guy who um, literally gave mil- thousands of people tattoos. Um, and he was so optimistic. And that was, um, I kept trying to figure out like he is surrounded by death and hardship Mm -hmm. and, um, and in the midst of it, in the midst of the trials, he was very joyful. And the, in the common thread that I was noticing uh, 
through this true story about him and Leanne is um, they both have faith. They both have hope. Um, they both trust God with the details of their life. Yeah, and right. uh, the verse that came to mind um, was Psalm eighty four eleven. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk up rightly. And I think when mm-hmm. you're holding uh, fast to that verse, you just have a joyful and optimistic countenance. Yeah. Well, it's so fascinating you said that because one of the things that I've been really thinking about a lot is just this idea of gratitude Mm. and how much gratitude changes our perspective in any situation. Um, It's funny you mentioned the the tattooist of Auschwitz because I've been reading Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. Oh, really? And he also was a Holocaust survivor. And if you go read this, I mean, like it is a, it's dense. It's not a, it's not a thick book, but it's just dense because this guy's brilliant. Okay. So you only understand like every other word that he says, oh you know, you have to go back and <laughs> well, read if, it over and over. Well, if you struggle over. with it, I know I'm definitely going to just have a dictionary <laughs> just right next to me the whole time. Oh, I know it's, but the things he says, and, and of all people who's, he's been in a concentration camp, right? He's, and he survived the concentration camp. And he says this quote, says, the one thing you can't take away from me is the way I choose to respond what you do to me. Mm, That's so true. He said, the last of one's freedoms is to choose one's attitude in any given circumstance. Yes. And I think I've always felt or adopted, I I remember preaching a sermon well before Amanda passed away, that that your attitude in life more than your aptitude in life determines your altitude in life. Mm. And so it's going to be your attitude. And I think specifically attitude of gratitude that in any situation we can think about and meditate on and, and consider what do we have to be grateful for that even immediately begins to lift us up out of our situations, lift, lift up our perspective at least. may not change our situation, but at least it changes our perspective on that situation. And so I don't know, this, this thing has just been, it's just been fascinating to me, this optimism idea. It's, it's like, it, is, it, is it correlated with faith? You know what I mean? Like, are you, do you have more faith if you're more optimistic or is there an element that realism plays into faith as well? Oh gosh, Davey, you just went real philosophical <laughs> on me. <laughs> well, now you're sitting there and you have this massive bookshelf behind you right now. And I'm like, let's talk about philosophy for a second. Cause I'm sure there's probably a book on that bookshelf that <laughs> probably, probably, uh, that's amazing. I don't know. So Charlie's more optimistic than you are, you would he say? He definitely is. But he has been so good for me because he is uh, so quick to help me see the good in hard situations or mm. any situation for that matter. And I think he just has, um, he's always looking for the good in things. And he is the same way that you just mentioned, just very thankful. He has brought so much um, of that discipline, I guess you would almost call it a spiritual discipline right. of just uh, having a thankful heart and gratitude. And um, one of the things that we talk about um, very often around our dinner table is we'll go around and people talk about the highs and lows of their days. And we always talk about yeah. what we're thankful for because we just want that to be a common thread in our language and in our days. That's so good. That's so good. I wonder if, you know, maybe the Lord does this strategically when he places partners together in marriage that you know, there's a complementary aspect of, of your partner, because I see it more often than not. I was having a conversation with a couple just the other day and they were talking about how uh, all the different opposites within them, but how those opposites complement each other 
in that. And so it sounds like for you, you're a little bit more of a realist, um, maybe even have an aspect of, you know, kind of moving toward like maybe not some worst case scenarios, but like thinking along those terms, uh, which I think momhood just does that to you naturally. Right? Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's real. <laughs> that was Christy. She's like forever optimist until she had kids. And then she's like, uh, hold on a second. She starts seeing all the things that potentially could go wrong. The what ifs are never ending. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. So then you have Charlie and he's kind of on the other side of things. And I'm sure though that he brings you up in certain aspects. And then I'm sure you kind of tether him in certain aspects and, and, yep. and it just kind of That's helps. exactly right. Wow. That's fun. Opposites attract, Davey. (laughs) I know. Somehow they do. And there's either like sparks in the good or sparks in the bad when opposites attract. (laughs) Yes. Uh, That's so great. That's so great. Well, speaking of that bookshelf that's behind you, have you noticed that I'm obsessed with the bookshelf that's behind you? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm picking up on that. (laughs) Speaking of, we have been gifted so many books from all of these fantastic interviews that we've had over the past several months. And we are overdue for a giveaway. Ooh, I love me some giveaways. (laughs) Yes. And they're filling up my bookshelf, which I love. I love the fact that my bookshelf is filled up, but I'm like, man, these listeners need to glean from some of this, this awesomeness that these, um, that these authors, these writers, these people that we're interviewing that they've produced. And so we're going to do a big giveaway and the way that you, I think the giveaway is actually going on right now. So you can go and kind of follow along on Instagram with that giveaway at nothing is wasted ministries. But the way that you enter this giveaway is if you rate and review the podcast on iTunes. It's the only way you can enter your name in there. And then based on that entry, that's your entry fee, rate and review the podcast on iTunes. And then we will pull a random number out of that entry and, um, and we'll give away a slew of books. I don't know how many. I think Christy's taking care of that, but go follow on Instagram, Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, and you'll see all the books that we're going to be giving away for that. Yeah, it's basically Christmas in July. <laughs> Nothing is wasted style. Nothing is wasted Christmas in July. And it's the best form of gift, books. Exactly. I mean, at least we think so. We think so. But you know what? That's our opinion and we're right. So it's okay. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we, yeah, we definitely, we love hearing and seeing the reviews that you guys um, put on iTunes. And I want to read a review that was sent in recently. Um, Somebody wrote in and said, I found this podcast while I was grieving the loss of my baby niece who died at two days old. Mm. It was a crushing loss. But through it all, I was reminded that her life was not wasted and our entire family and those who followed my niece's story saw God through it all. Her death was definitely not wasted. And I love hearing how others have experienced great pain and hurt, but God is shining through it. This podcast is a constant reminder of the hope that we have in Jesus and that God's plan is so intricate and so much better than we can imagine. Mm, wow. Amen. That wow, that's so good. Thank you for writing in and sharing that with us. Um, It really encourages our hearts to hear that. And um, I know that you guys are going to be so encouraged by Leanne's story and Mm -hmm. um, just the joy and the optimism that she infuses into her situation Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. And so um, without further ado, let's take a listen to Leanne. Leanne, great to have you on the podcast with me. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This is always such a joy to have somebody in person because you're an Indianapolis native. That's right. Yep. 
Well, not a native, well, but I, I do live here, you which live is here. nice. I didn't have well, to where drive are you from? very far. So I'm from, well, I tell people I'm from Dayton, Ohio, okay. but I'm not from Dayton, Dayton. <laughs> I am from a little tiny town called Arcanum. So. And nobody's heard of Arcanum. No one's hold, heard of Arcanum. So it's Dayton. Is yeah. D- Dayton the the bustling metropolis of Dayton, Ohio, huh? Yeah, it's becoming a little classier, but back Is in it? the day, it's, it was a little hood, so <laughs> that's why I kind of clarify to people. I'm from the farm. Okay. Not from... Farm girl. Yeah. Well, then well. you're then you're a Hoosier girl. At, at <laughs> there heart, we go. There we go. Because they're all farm girls That's here. That's right. That's great. Um, what brought you to Indianapolis? What tell us about your family? Tell us what what you guys do here. Yeah. So I've been in Indy for seven years now, and uh, originally I met my husband up in Winona Lake, Indiana. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I was up there for a few years, and then when he ended up getting a job down here in Indy, so then we moved here. And, okay. Yeah. I've been in Indiana since then. That's awesome. So did yeah. your husband? Was he? Did he go to Grace? He didn't. Okay. No, so he went to Kettering uh, Engineering School up in Flint, Michigan. Oh, gotcha. Uh, yeah, so he was up there, but his family's from Winona. So, cool. um, yeah, so his family's from Winona, and then I went to Grace, stayed on for a job there, and we met just through mutual friends yeah. and then moved down to Indy after we got married. And you guys live in Broad Ripple, which That's for right. those of you guys who are not from Indianapolis, it's like the hipster midtown area. I keep trying to convince Christy that we need to move to Broad Ripple. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Our neighbors have chickens and a go, um, but then there's also really great restaurants. Yeah. and It's like the best of both move. worlds. Yep, it's like absolutely. urban farm, urban garden. Fantastic. So we're going to work on that after we get off the air. We're going to continue to try to... Yeah, I'm going to send to, you the housing listing. Yes. I think if we just kind of subtly keep slipping it into it, then we'll be in Broad Ripple. If you live in Broad Ripple and you listen to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, <laughs> please write in <laughs> to Christy, Christy directly. And she yes. needs to move to Broad <laughs> it's Ripple. It's a sign from God that That's we're right. supposed to move to Broad That's Ripple. Right. Well, you have a fascinating story, and I'm so glad we got connected to you. Um, I would love for you just to kind of jump back in in time where this tragedy in your life took place. And um, this is going to be interesting because it really, in a lot of ways, is a tragedy that took place in your husband's life. Right. But you're, you've kind of become, a, in a lot of ways, a spokesperson for this. And you guys are doing some incredible ministry and some helping of people out of it. But why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I appreciate that. I'm really flattered. I will say I'm a little intimidated, you guys, but really <laughs> excited to be here and just sharing kind of what God has brought us through the last couple of years and what that looks like for us. Um, yeah, like I said, we we were married. You know, we had a great uh, relationship, moved down here to Indy. And uh, just to kind of like take you back to the beginning, um, my husband was in law school. We moved down here to Indy and we kind of jumped on that whole, yeah, the urban farming type thing uh, and ended up buying a house down here in Indy that was on an acre. Uh, we had actually ended up renovating the garage into a tiny home. Oh, wow. So we lived in a little 400 square foot tiny home. Uh, my husband is super handy. So he did the whole thing himself. That's awesome. And yeah, we had lived there, been living there for a year and a half. And um, that's when the accident happened. Mm. So um, so we were renovating this uh, our little property and um, it happened on June 15th, 2016. Uh, I will say my husband is a big motorcycle advocate. He mm. loves motorcycles, has really been into them uh, since he was 16 years old. And uh, he actually worked at Harley for four years um, wow. in their test facility um, out in Alabama and Arizona. So I, I kind of knew what I was getting myself into when we started dating. Yeah. Uh, you know, my family doesn't own motorcycles, but... Um, kind of knew what I got into, but Derek, yeah, always wore his helmet and, you know, was a very safe, what I would consider a very safe motorcycle driver. Yeah. Uh, so on June 15th, 2016, um, I mean, I remember it like yesterday, 
We're living in the tiny house. He um, left for a morning of work. He left at like 6.20 in the morning, mm. uh, was driving downtown to work. We lived up in like Geist area. Yeah. And at 6.30, I texted him to see if he was okay because I hadn't gotten mm. a text back. Um, and then at 6.40, same thing. I woke up. He hadn't texted me that he was fine. So I kind of, you know, simple thing. I was like, oh, just kind of prayed for him. Literally just rolled back over and hit the snooze button. Uh, And then at seven, I got a call from someone at the hospital downtown and it actually was from Derek's phone. So I was like, Mm. oh, that's weird. Uh, He must've forgot his laptop. Um, answered the phone and it was just, I remember remember it, his name was David and he had just called to tell me that Derek had been in a really serious accident. Mm. Uh, And, you know, you know, I mean, all of us have been in that moment when just time stands still and you just can almost like see yourself in slow motion um, working through that process. But I, you know, I remember throwing my hair up in a messy bun and um, grabbing a jean jacket and walking out of the house. And Mm. honestly, I was pretty nervous. I mean, motorcycle accidents, I feel like you're either, you know, in serious trouble or right. you're just scratched up and walking away. And right. and David just said, I can't tell you anything, um, but he he is alive. That's all they would tell me. Wow. Uh, so I, I drove, you know, downtown Indy, uh, which is, you know, traffic around right. here it can be a little crazy in the morning. So it was a little nuts. And, and my parents live, you know, like I said, out in Dayton area in Ohio. So they're about an hour and a half. And um, his parents are up in Winona Lake, Indiana. So as they start driving towards us, you know, I'm just frantically praying for him and trying to collect myself. I get to the emergency room, which I honestly expected it to be a little bit more like, you know, an ER show and everyone's scrambling around and there was actually nobody there. I was the Mm. only one at the emergency room uh, and just sat and waited. Um, And when the doctors finally came out, they had told me that he had broken his back so that he was a a T4 paraplegic. And At the time, I mean, we didn't have any friends that were paralyzed. You know, I just, I didn't really know what that meant. Yeah. Uh, And he just explained that as a T4 paraplegic, he would never have feeling below his armpits. So that's what he's paralyzed chest down. Um, And I remember getting to go back and talk to him and he actually was pretty like with it. He doesn't remember any of it, Yeah. uh, but he was like enough to ask me what happened. And uh, along with that, you know, along with being in a motorcycle accident and breaking your back, he, he just broke a lot of other things. Yeah. Uh, so he was in obviously a lot of pain, but um, yeah. So that was kind of the start of the craziness. And, and then we, uh, his surgery lasted, you know, uh, what was this like seven to 10 hours, something crazy like that. And um, he was in the, the ICU for a month. And then we headed out to Chicago for rehab um, for, we were out there for four months. Oh. So it was kind of, yeah, it was definitely, we'd only been married for two years at the time. Uh, so it was just like a lot, you know, a lot to handle. Yeah, yeah. For. It's crazy what your mind does when you have a moment of trauma like that. You know, like right. you said, you you have this moment where things are going in slow motion. You remember so many details vividly. Other things are completely right. blocked out of oh, your mind. Yeah. You have no idea. You can't oh, yeah. remember anything. It's like your your mind's really focused in. Tell me a little bit about just in those in those moments between the phone call from mm-hmm. David, I'm assuming it was yep. a hospital David. worker, right? The phone call from David to this moment where you're coming into the waiting room and the doctor's sitting down and talking to you mm-hmm. about what is happening here. What was going on in your heart? What what kinds of things were you wrestling with? What were you feeling? Yeah, I mean, I think initially, I mean, obviously I was really scared, but the first thing I kept telling myself was just like, calm down. Like you don't, you know, you don't know anything yet. You don't know how, how bad it is. Um, my like 
physically, my biggest fear was that I was going to actually pass the accident mm. because I was going downtown the same way that he drove. So right. I was so scared that I was going to see his um, motorcycle. But yeah, I actually, I, I think in, in retrospect, I handled it better than I think I thought I would, mm. which I'm not sure if that makes sense. I think God really does give you the strength to get through stuff. Yep. You know, if you would have told me five years ago that that was going to happen, I think right. I would have thought I would have been a lot bigger of a mess than I actually was. Right. Um, but yeah, getting to the hospital, was just kind of funny because like I said, our families didn't live anywhere near us. So no one was there. And I had called Derek's boss on uh, my way downtown and just said, oh, hey, this is Leanne. Like, just to let you know, Derek's not going to be into work today. And he was like, what happened? I'm like, oh, I well, it's just, you know, I think he's been in an accident. And so his boss actually met me at the waiting room, which was, you know, so kind of him. He yeah. brought me coffee and just sat there until our, our parents arrived. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm perpetually an optimistic. Like I always yeah. just assume the best is going to happen. Yeah. It's going to be fine. And and it uh, it is fine. I mean, it is fine. Because uh, God, like I said, he gives you what you need to get through it at the moment. Mm. But yeah, those are just some of the thoughts was just like, wow, this is crazy. I yeah. mean, it's just crazy. So yeah. I had a lot of questions of people, you know, after my late wife passed away, yeah. how, how did you walk mm. through that? How in the mm -hmm. world could, you know, and even a lot of folks saying like, I wouldn't have been able to do that. There's no way I'd be able to do that. And I think that sounds like a very mm -hmm. reasonable mm -hmm. statement for any kind of tragedy. You look onto somebody else's mm -hmm. tragedy and you go, there's no way I could walk through that. In fact, right. I said those very words to to my late wife mm. about somebody else's tragedy mm. that was very similar to ours. Wow. And I think what's powerful is when you, when you realize the fact that um, you may not be able to imagine walking through something like that and right. hopefully, you know, I mean, everybody walks through trial, everybody, but hopefully you don't have to walk through right. some kind of tragedy, like to the extent that you and I have in our lives, in your life. But, um, but you'd be amazed what the Holy Spirit does. Mm to meet you in that moment. Yeah. You know? And yeah, that's what no. you're saying right here is like, he gives you the grace for the moment. So when people say, there's no way I could ever, I'm like, do you have the Holy Spirit inside of you? Exactly. I just say, don't, don't un underestimate God. Yeah. Because, and it does, it sounds really almost like cliche, like Sunday school teaching right. type thing, but it's so true. And um, I often, actually the day after the accident, so we'd been, you know, in the hospital for a day now, uh, my mom sat down and told me, so my grandma had passed away pretty early mm. at early age of cancer. And her favorite thing was in Exodus 16, they talk about how, you know, God provided manna, mm. but he only gave it to him for the day. They couldn't store it up. Wow. You know, they couldn't save it. Um, he provided exactly, exactly what they needed on Sunday so they wouldn't have to collect it. I mean, if you're interested, yep. go back and read Exodus 16, because it's really interesting yeah. that you can't just like store up all this hope um, yeah. in hopes that it'll happen. I mean, I think what I tell people is just be, you know, be faithful in your relationship with the Lord, whether you have hard trials going on or not. And that yeah. will, I think, get you through those times that you just think, there's no way I could have done that. Yeah, that's um, so good. You can't, it's pretty neat. You can't store up faith. You can't, you can't store, store up, up mm -hmm. grace. You can't store up. It's like God, God will grant it in yep. the moment as you're attuned to him and, yeah. and as you're walking this life with him and your heart is in sync with him, he's like, Hey, I know what you're about to walk through. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to grant you this yes. in this moment as you need it. That's, that's remarkable. So you guys are in the hospital and you're, you've gotten this news and yeah. I know you, you said that you did several months of therapy, but yeah. um, what was it like watching your husband mm. sort through this process this? When was it that he began to realize 
and you guys together begin to realize this is going to change our life forever. Yeah, I think, like I said in the beginning, I'm an optimist. We're going to get through this. We're going to figure out what this looks like. Uh, I remember the first night, so just been hours later, I was, you know, in the ICU, you're only allowed to have one person spend the night with you. So I was in, you know, in sleeping, quote, you guys can't see me doing my quote marks, but I am (laughs) um, in in the chair beside him. And I was on Google at 2 a.m. just like, what's a paraplegic? Like, I mean, just no idea what this looked like. And I remember my brother-in-law texting me and saying, like, get off of Google. Like, it is not healthy to, like, look this stuff up. And um, but so Derek was actually doesn't remember the first two weeks. So mm. I actually remember the day that he kind of came, came to and realized what was happening. Um, my brother-in-law kind of explained to him what happened and he, you know, got to talk to some doctors and honestly, he's just, he's just been awesome through the whole thing. He has never complained. I mean, literally yeah. I have never heard him complain about it. Wow. Um, he's very just like, okay, well it is what it is. And how are we going to get through this? So it's, it is interesting for all you Enneagram lovers out there. Um, <laughs> hey, come on, I bring that Enneagram. Any, Let's go. <laughs> but so I'm a seven and Derek's a five and he's just okay. like, if so, for those of you who don't know, sevens are just kind of you are the eternal optimistic. Optimist. Yep. yep. And fives are very like nose to the grind. Let's, you know, let's get this done and researchers. And it really has, it has worked really well in our relationship because I am a cheerleader for him. Yeah. Um, his just walking him through, watching him walk through it has been really, really encouraging yeah. to me. Wow. Um, That's yeah, amazing. He's a guy. Well, you just opened up a whole new level because oh. now this Enneagram thing, Oreos? I'm like, oh. no, I'm like, I'm now like <laughs> dissecting both of you guys from the Enneagram perspective. And I'm like, I've got so many questions now too. I, you know, let's, let's talk about this eternal optimist thing. Okay. And, um, what the listeners need to know is we don't plan yeah. any of this stuff. We're no, not no, like, no, 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 no. Yeah. literally Leanne's like, she has zero <laughs> idea what I'm going to ask her. She's like, I'm shooting from the hip right now. That's the beautiful thing about the nothing is wasted podcast. You have no idea what's going to come out of it. But there, the theme of of optimism, Hmm. I think is a really prevalent theme when it comes to walking through trial. Yeah. How, how much has that optimism in, in how it's kind of wired in you as a seven, but how much has that played into your ability to, to see this trial, to, to look at it head on and to be able to, to go, no, I'm going to, we're going to walk through this. We're going to, we're going to make this happen, whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever this means. I think it's kind of twofold. And actually, I didn't really get into the Enneagram until like six months ago. So this Mm -hmm. is very new to me. (laughs) But it really like, I remember reading about sevens and realizing, you know, as I was kind of basically reading about myself, like, I would get really frustrated that I felt people weren't taking me seriously. Mm. Um, We've, you know, people have been so kind, but there have been some comments in there that I've heard or people have said like, oh, well, you just don't, you just don't understand what's going on yet. That's mm. why you're being so happy about so this. So blame it on like naivety. Yeah. Is like you just don't, she just doesn't of, get right. how bad it's going to be. I remember one person specifically saying like, I'll, I give their marriage a few years until wow. she realizes it. I mean, it's, and I, I mean, that was pretty hurtful, but I, I understand, I think for people who are, would call themselves pessimists to be an optimist just looks like, well, you're just being naive. Like exactly. Yeah, your head stuck in the clouds. Like you really have no idea this world is terrible. And you're over there just, or or your head stuck in the sand, either one of them, but it's not in reality. Yeah, Yeah. I guess both, yeah, both sides have their own arguments. Both sides, you're like, (laughs) that's a seven. (laughs) Yeah, so for me, it's been, I'm, I mean, I'm really, I'm partial, but I'm really glad I'm an optimist because I don't want to 
be like, I want to take what God, you know, God has given us a story and I want to hope that he has a plan for yeah. it. Where if, if I was just always pessimistic, I think it would be really easy to get really discouraged about your life situation. And, um, and you know, and I try to use that and with, you know, our family situation, especially with Derek too, just trying to encourage him. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I don't know if that answers your question no, that's or great. not, but. Well, I think it's. I think it's interesting because I'm an I'm an optimist too. Okay. As well. Wait, like, what's your Enneagram I'm a three. Number? Okay. But I'm a three wing four. Yeah. So a three is like the achiever. Right. So it's like whatever we face, we're gonna tackle it, right? I'm gonna conquer this, this thing bad. essentially right. is uh-huh. the way kind of my mindset works. But also the four wing in me is an idealist. Mm-hmm. So that makes me go, no, everything can be beautiful, mm-hmm. which is both biblical and just happens to be my wiring. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of helps. It kind of, it's, it's amazing how God has wired me to do nothing as wasted. Yes. In fact, the, um, the, when I first time I sat down with my writing coach mm-hmm. and I was sharing with her the things that God had been downloading on me about our, our story as I was writing nothing as wasted, she literally, and I'd never heard the Enneagram before. She said, you're a three wing four or a four wing three. And That's I was like, crazy. how did you, wait a minute, yeah. how did you know this? And she could just tell by the way that I was approaching this, that that was my wiring. Mm. And I've always had this thought of like, wait, optimism, mm-hmm. like that actually smells a lot more like faith mm-hmm. than pessimism does. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that people who are on kind of more the skeptical spectrum of that, that's definitely not, I mean, skepticism is good in the sense that it's, um, it's, it's um, intellectually engaging something and testing things. Scripture talks about right. testing things, making sure that things, you know, being as wise as serpents. So there's definitely that side of things for sure. But I just, I, I, I watch you and I hear you as you're like telling your story and I'm going, this is someone who is optimistic and has a ton of faith. And I see so often that God uses in scripture, men and women of high faith and high optimism, believing that God is going to come through no matter what. And, and I just wonder um, how this, this idea of optimism and faith for you have really correlated together as you've been walking through this. Yeah. Because upon first inspection, it could look like you're just kind of naive. Right. And you're like, well, he doesn't, doesn't really understand. But this was a few years ago now. Yeah. And you guys have walked through some really mm-hmm. difficult times. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the accident wasn't, in some ways, the most difficult mm-hmm. part of this process. Right. Um, and so how has that now over the past couple of years, how have you, um, how have you reconciled this idea of optimism as you've walked through some hard, hard stuff with helping him in his journey? Yeah. I think the, the very physical, like tangible piece that a lot of people ask is like, well, where are you guys with walking again? You know, are you Mm. optimistic that he's going to walk again? Are you going to therapy sessions? Are you doing all these things? Um, and, you know, and kind of correlating that with our faith too, we, we joke that we're optimistically realistic, you know, in the, in the side that. All right. Tell me more about that. Okay. Optimistically, optimistically realistic. realistic. This is intriguing. So, <laughs> I love this. So he was given um, less than a 5% chance of walking again. And wow. um, I obviously don't have the x-ray on me, but I mean, his, his spine was like just crushed. His spinal cord was. So. Yeah, like obviously if he started having new toe movement or things like that, we would we would absolutely like pursue more yeah. therapy or, you know, but we're not lathering ourselves with essential oils and doing mm-hmm. like all these extreme things um, because we still want to be realistic. And, and Derek, and I should clarify, I mean, obviously I'm speaking from my side of the story. Mm. What I've gone through, you know, Derek has learned a lot of different things that I haven't learned. Um, he's been challenged in different ways and I've, you know, than I've been challenged, but he does often... Um, 
just say that, you know, he wants to be, you know, good at his job. He wants to be a good, um, you know, a husband and a good Christian and all these things that th they don't require you to walk again. I mean, mm. he has no extreme sport goals or, wow. you know, anything crazy that, that to him, you know, we're, we're optimistic that our life is going to be just honestly, just as good, if not better, because God planned this for us than it would have been before the accident. Yeah. So in some ways you're saying that, that this pain that he's walked through has really clarified his priorities. Yes. And your priorities. It absolutely actually same, has yeah. clarified, I would say, for both of us. And I think a lot of you guys out there could recognize that when you go through a hard trial, it does you do reset things and it does make you think about just things you wouldn't have thought about before. Uh, for Derek, it was work. I mean, he put a lot of pride and time into his job and he still does. I mean, he's He's awesome, but I know to him now that's he's realizing like okay that that's not the most important mm. thing, um, which has just been kind of neat to see him yeah. work through that. What's his occupation? What does he do? He's a patent attorney. So okay. for all you Shark Tank fans, yeah. Shark Tank, Shark Tank, that's yeah. right. That sounded weird when I said it, but no, yeah. <laughs> so he helps people patent their ideas. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And he always jokes that he you know sat on his butt all day, anyways. So it. <laughs> You know, I, it's it's just uh, interesting. Like his job, you know. Thank God, his his brain wasn't injured in the accident. Like he's still able right. to do everything he did for work before. So, what kinds of things, as from your perspective, this is an interesting perspective. You as his spouse, kind yeah. of observing, but also mm -hmm. having to be some kind of a caretaker mm -hmm. in many of these things. What what has been your perspective or your observations um, as as you've as you've watched him and helped him? go from being this fully functioning man to now he's paralyzed from, yeah. you know, essentially armpits down mm -hmm. is what you said. Right. And the adjustment period, I mean, just even the small things of going yeah. like, wait, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Or I can't like, and as you've watched him wrestle with that emotionally and physically and practically, yeah. What, what's that been like for you? So the first, um, I kind of mentioned that we were in Chicago and for, so when a spinal cord injury happens, basically that you obviously need to recover and then you need to go to rehab. And when you're in rehab, um, they, you are there with the doctors and nurses, it's a hospital, uh, but you actually do therapy sessions during the day where they teach you how to put your socks on again. You know, they teach you how to get yeah. in and out of bed. Uh, there's just so many things that I've learned. We just take for granted. I mean, the most simple step somewhere is just frustrating for us to have to mess with. Mm. Uh, but that therapy, the time that he worked through therapy, um, you could just see, you know, he, he wasn't, he's an athlete. Uh, you could just see his like grit and determination mm. come out that I'm yeah. going to conquer this and I'm going to do well at it. And um, it has been an honor, an absolute honor to stand by his side through this and just see um, the, the determination come out. And, and I will say that those first few months, like I definitely was, I would say more of the caretaker role. Um, and I want to be, be careful to make sure Derek, if you're listening, um, <laughs> that I'm not that anymore. Yeah. Uh, I would say he's, he's very independent. I can leave, I can go away. Um, there's definitely things I help him with, but more, you know, out of just yeah. with the kind of the roles that we've taken in the household, um, I do put chocolate higher up. I know he can't reach that. You know, there's definitely uh, some ridiculous things that happen. Is that a, is that that a joke? Is that like a... Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, we joke it is, but I... It's for real. There's, oh, yeah. There's, <laughs> there's definitely some some advantages. Uh, That's funny. But it's been, it's been just really neat to see him and hard, you know, when you watch a loved one or someone you care about just going through a hard time. Yeah. Uh, it, it challenges you. But it's been interesting because we've taken... Two, like I mentioned earlier, just two different 
um, lessons out of the whole thing. Mm. You know, I, I often think about that verse where God talks about, you know, he's going to use your trials to strengthen yeah. your faith. And, and I think that it's your faith, right? So what I'm learning is totally different than what Derek's learning right. because our faiths are different. And, you know, I'm learning to, you know, Derek, well, I would say Derek's learning to be, you know, more, you know, asking for help and, and putting mm. his pride away a little bit where, where I might learn to not like dwell on the past, which is not an issue for him. So I think we've taken like two totally different lessons out of this whole situation, wow. which has been kind of, kind of neat to, to watch. Yeah. Well, uh, dive into both of those a little bit more yeah. for me, um, to the extent that you're able to, as his spouse, mm-hmm. you know, infer what he is wrestling through when it comes to this, you know, what does that mean for him and how have you watched him wrestle through putting his pride aside and going, I need to ask for help. Yeah. Cause I imagine as, I mean, as a man, that would be right. extremely hard. You want to be provider. You mm-hmm. want to be protector. You want to be the one that's uh, sufficient to be able to handle everything in the home for your your wife, your kids, all of this. So what's that been like for him? And then I'd love for you to dive into what what you said that you were learning. Yeah. So obviously I'm speaking from like my watching him of course, through yeah. this. Um, I would say, you know, Derek is very much a man's man. Like once, mm-hmm. you know, he built our little tiny house called Bunker. <laughs> I mean, he did all of that um, with his hands. And so it, I think the hardest part, for me has been watching him just adjust to maybe not being able to do those things in our home anymore. Mm. Um, you know, having to, you know, me cleaning out the gutters or just like home things that he naturally would have jumped at doing. Right. Uh, but also watching him being okay with, with asking for help if needed or coming up with creative solutions uh, for Which things that five, are frustrating. Which is a five, I'm sure he's yep. pretty good at. <laughs> yep, so his undergrads in engineering, so you guys would be fascinated with the things he's working on. I'm not on. surprised. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and that's been interesting. He uh, He's kind of quiet and doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily process verbally, which I do. Yeah. Uh, so that has also been a facet that we've had to get used to of me just asking him to tell me what he's thinking or going right. through and then him also kindly putting up with me, you know, jabbering on about <laughs> the lessons God's been teaching me. But, yeah. That's great. Hey friends, I'm going to jump into this conversation for a moment because I want to tell you about our Pain to Purpose video series that we just released on July 14th. We've been talking about this for the past few weeks, but if you haven't already heard, it is a video course that you can purchase to help you as you navigate through a trial, tragedy, transition in your life. In the videos, I discuss practical ways to work through your pain to find meaning and purpose. We recently had some of our coaching clients go through these videos. So I want to read to you what one of them said about this video series. She said, when we started our coaching group, each one of us shared, Davey, we feel so stuck. At the end of our 12 weeks together, our outlook had completely changed. We no longer felt like victims in our circumstances. We repeatedly used the words equipped and prepared. Now we feel confident in whatever we might face next. We believe this video series can have this kind of impact on you or a loved one in your life that needs it. So if you're interested in learning more or purchasing today, head to mypaintopurposeplan.com now. That's mypaintopurposeplan.com. Now back to our conversation.
So what what you were saying about how what God has been teaching you yeah. specifically, dive into that a little bit more. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I would say that I have not necessarily ever struggled with like, I know a lot of women can struggle with comparing themselves, you know, mm-hmm. to other people and those kinds of things. But I really, really, for probably a solid year, caught myself struggling with just comparing our you know, new life with our old life. Like yeah. it was just really hard for me. Um, uh, the things that I would, you know, oh, we can't walk and hold hands anymore. Or mm-hmm. uh, we, we joked, I, I remember in the hospital crying and saying like, we can't dance. And Derek's like, I don't like dancing. I'm like, oh, that's a good point. Like you never did like dancing anyways. Or, um, oh, we'll never be able to do that dream trip to Europe. You know, Europe is not accessible. And he was like, I like there are plenty of things I want to see in the United States that do not, you know, require me flying. And he never liked traveling. So it's been interesting to, to kind of watch myself progress from just dwelling on the past and really just having a bad attitude Mm. about it versus realizing like our past has set us up for a successful future. Like Mm. the things that God had taught me in the past um, has like allowed me I, I feel like has helped me in this new life. So, right. I mean, one like really random tangible thing is, you know, the tiny house I was telling you about, you know, Derek did all that work. We'd been in it for two years. Um, this was right when like that tiny house movement kind yeah. of caught wind, caught wind, caught fire. Yeah. Eh, I don't know. Wind and fire. You know, it just, it, just it was kinda, wind whoa. and fire and it was just <laughs> going crazy. And so when we put that up for sale, um, we were able to make a decent return on our money yeah. uh, because it was like kind of this cool little right. trendy thing. And uh, yeah, and that helped us afford the accessible renovations that we needed in our new home. So wow. just all those little things that you can see God like orchestrate, that's just like, oh, yeah. that's weird. Like when you look back on it, it's weird, but yeah. it's just really neat. It's really neat. And that's part see. of having that faith perspective to see the thumbprints of God yes. through the whole yeah. process and going like, oh, wait, God was preparing us for this. He already had set this up to because he knew that we would need this coming into this yep. next season and that he's not surprised by any of this. And that he's going to take yeah. care of us even in the middle of these horrific things right. that have happened. And I think it's weird as humans, I'm just going to lump us all into this that we all believe this, yeah. that you always think it should be like, you know, the before and afters, like the afters are always better than the right. befores. And, but that's not necessarily true. Right. I mean, God doesn't promise you that your life will be better at the end, you know, right. at some point, you know, our life might have, would probably be easier, yeah. uh, you know, if Derek was walking and had the ability to do all these things, but that doesn't mean that like spiritually, the things that we're learning here aren't, mm you know, just so deeply impacted from our before. Yeah. So, Leanne, you mentioned that one of the things God's teaching you is that you're, you are appreciating the small things of life, you know, like mm-hmm. even just being able to bend over and pick something up or walk right. here and there. And so I imagine that comes up a lot, you know, it's like, wow, God, thank you that I can do that. And for those of us who are not mm-hmm. in a wheelchair, um, we do encounter people who, who are, and sometimes we just kind of I don't, I don't want to say take it for granted. We take our, our situation for aware. granted. We just, mm-hmm. yeah, we're unaware. We just kind of ignore, just don't realize, you know, what their life is like. So how can people become more aware of and more helpful to yeah. um, a community, you know, that, that is, that is bound to a wheelchair, the accessible uh, yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a great question. Obviously, we just speak for ourselves, not necessarily everybody in a wheelchair. Um, mm-hmm. I know one of the big ones I caught on right away is that when you pull up to a stoplight and there's the walkway there, um, if you go past 
a crosswalk or a park pass a crosswalk, like wheelchairs cannot get in and out because there's cutouts on the sidewalk. Oh, yeah. So that's why those cutouts are there. And I think moms kind of realize that with a stroller and right. it's a pain to get up the curb, but we can't get up the curb. So make sure when you're stopping at stoplights to not go over the crosswalk, that's uh, one thing we've become aware of. And then say, I mean, I'm sure a lot of you out there are very aware, but don't park in handicapped parking spots. I mean, mm. that's a pretty big one. Uh, just people think they're going to be in and out. And oftentimes we've had to, you know, park or, or I mean, one time we couldn't even go to the restaurant because wow. there was no parking. And it's not like, it's definitely not the end of the world, but really simple stuff that we, you know, kind of just take for granted and, yeah. and don't think about. And, and Derek would often say too, that like, you know, he's, um, he's more than willing to answer any questions that people have. You know, we want to make people aware of the accessible community. He just doesn't want to like over inform people if they aren't curious about yeah. something either. Uh, so I would say it's like, it's okay to be curious. Like we understand that. Um, same, you know, if you're little kids asking a random question, we had a little boy start trying to splurt out something about Derek's wheelchair and the mom like shushed up yeah. and, and, you know, Derek's like, you know, it's okay to ask questions, you know, have the kid go up and introduce himself right. and then ask the question. It's a good teaching moment for the kid. Um, Cause when you just shut off curiosity, I feel like it kind of makes the handicapped community feel yep. more intimidating to kids too. But uh, yeah, those are just some little things that that we've learned that I've, you know, I jokingly call myself the um, the handicapped parking police because <laughs> everywhere I go, I'm like, is there a parking? Do yeah. they have a tag yeah. on? Uh, but yeah, those are just a few little fun well, things you can you. look for. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's super helpful. Thank you. Yeah. So if I'm an observer from the outside looking in, yeah. and I don't know anything about your story other than okay. what I've just heard, okay. one of the things that I would probably ask of you, and you've, you've obviously been so... Um, you're so gracious in the way that you've, you know, processed through this. But I'm, I'm curious if you've ever wrestled with any kind of resentment um, in the process of this of going, wow. Now, I know Derek's very self-sufficient now. Right. And he's very independent. But during that time where you were really having to care for him, I know many women would say, hey, that's my deepest desire, my greatest joy to do this. But deep down, there was there anything there that was like, I'm so frustrated. I'm so where you started seeing maybe resentment coming up because I've talked with folks who have been in situations like this before. And that's one of the things that they've articulated. I'm curious if you had to wrestle through that at all. Um, if you're comfortable yeah. sharing that. No, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I mean, I like to tell people that it's not, you know, life isn't perfect. There's definitely hard things that obviously we had to go through. I would, I would say I was never upset at Derek. Mm -hmm. I never felt like it was his fault or blaming him for anything. Um, I actually, I think the hardest point that I really wrestled through, and it sounds so goofy, you guys, I feel like there's just these things that like catch us that you're just like, Oh, why is that? hurt? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know why that hurts. Yeah. It was when we had to sell the house. I mean, uh. seeing like all the, just every time I went there, I saw, you know, Derek, you know, fixing this and climbing on that. And that was just really hard. So wrestling through you know, watching all my friends' husbands be able to do things that, yeah. you know, we were just really struggling with doing the basic things, yeah. right? I think we all fall into that, especially when we go through painful situations. We just assume that, well, you know, yeah, your situation stinks, but mine's way worse. Mm. Um, I'm not going to listen to what you're saying, or you kind of close it off because of what the person, you know, maybe their situation isn't as hard as yours. And I remember early on in the hospital, we had listened to a sermon and a guy just explaining that, you know what, like the most painful thing um, that you're going through is the most painful thing mm -hmm. you're going through. So even if you're 16 and your boyfriend breaks up with you, 
and that's your first broken heart, that's going to feel yeah. pretty initially as, as painful as losing a parent. Right. Um, because it is, it's the heart. I mean, granted the grief, you know, it's a lot, it's a different ball game, but at some point, um, pain is pain, no right. matter what it looks like. Right. And so that was really helpful for me to, to see like, okay, it's not fair for me to hold my story up on a pedestal mm. and assume like, well, you don't understand because yeah. of this and that. And uh, I actually was reminded a few months ago and it just, I, it blew my mind. It may not blow your mind um, about Paul talking about, you know, the thorn that he has yeah. in his in his side, but, but we never know what that thorn is. I mean, God never tells yeah, us. that's it. And I think because... He would, we would use it as a comparison tool. That's like, so true. Oh, well, Paul just had a limp foot, but he's paralyzed. So that's different. Or, right. oh, well, so Paul, that verse doesn't apply to me yeah. because. Yeah, but we don't wow. know what it is. And I mean, there's obviously, I assume there's speculation out there. I haven't done a ton of research into it. Um, but it's been really good for me to realize like, okay, my situation is not your situation. Your yeah. situation isn't my situation. And using all those things and all that pain to bring God glory is all he wants. Yeah. Like just put blinders on to everyone else and just focus on, you know, how you can glorify him through that. Right. How we can come underneath people and really and help, help them. Absolutely. As they're walking through their Absolutely. pain, rather than sitting kind of in this elevated place of like, well, look at my story and look at this, you know, thing that has happened to me and it's better than everybody else's right. or it's worse than everybody yeah. else's or however you want to say it. I love that, that, that really our goal is to um, uh, stop navel gazing, right? And to do what Isaiah did in Isaiah chapter six. He looked at God and he looked at who he was in the light of God and realized, wait a minute, I'm sinful and, and, I, and I need a savior. And then out of that, out of that realization, he went and served other people. And he just said, I'm gonna help other people. I'm gonna reach people. I'm gonna do whatever I can to use and leverage whatever God's done in me to help people. Yeah. Cause you know, he's, you know, God's not like, wow, good job, Lee. And like, I gave you this story and this opportunity to help others. And now you're just using it as a tool to hold yourself higher yeah. than people. And that's not, you know, that is obviously not the purpose. So, right. but it's um, so easy. It's sinful, oh, sinful yeah. human nature absolutely, for us to even take some of the tragedies of our life mm -hmm. and begin to like, in this really weird twisted way began to go like, oh yeah, look at I'm, I'm elevating yeah, myself. Yeah, you leverage it as a pride thing. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. why am I doing that? Yeah. And and we have to, we all have to be so careful of mm -hmm. that. You know, the, the platform that we have with nothing is wasted is to help people find purpose in their pain. Right. And we celebrate when people are like finding purpose in their pain and they're, they're helping people and they're reaching people. But I think also on the same side of things, um, you know, we all, everybody together in this community of people who are walking through pain, which is, oh, hello, the human race. <laughs> we have to be careful that this is, this is really all about Jesus. Yeah. This is about turning it back to his glory mm -hmm. and boasting of him mm -hmm. and what he's done in our lives because air for the grace of God, you guys wouldn't be where you're at. And even to a point, you know, even with the kids stuff, like, I mean, we don't know if that's going to be an option or not. And it, you know, I had to, to process like, okay, what, well, you know, what's this look like if we don't have a family or right. what's this look like? If we do have a family, but you can't throw your kid in the air, you know, it's just right. a lot of different things. Um, but that, yeah. Yeah. Go a little bit further okay. into that. Those were some really good situations that you, you know, just brought up the idea of like the kids, you know, could we have kids and watching other friends of yours having kids, watching other friends of yours having, you know, this life that you used to have, but now you have a different life. You have a new normal. Yes. And um, how, how did you process through that stuff? How did you kind of work through any of those feelings that were coming mm -hmm. up when they come up, you know, because it, mm -hmm. <clears throat> it is 
so true that things come up and you're like, where did that come from? Like, yep. wait a minute. And you almost feel like an evil person for thinking that, but it's normal as a human to have those, um, I guess you call it almost amygdala emotional responses. Yeah. yeah. But then what we choose to focus on, how we choose to process through those, and it, it, that's what determines how we move forward. What were some ways that you processed through that stuff? So I'm a verbal processor, <laughs> which That's has good, been, yeah. yeah, it's been interesting because, I mean, like I said earlier, Derek is not. Um, so I have some close friends and my mom, I really feel like I can open up and talk with them um, about things I'm going through and just processing it. And that's another area that I've tried to be careful about. And it's been really interesting is I don't want, if I'm frustrated or having a hard day, there is a part of me that doesn't want to tell Derek because yeah. I don't want him to feel guilty about yeah. it. Um, and guarding his heart because I know it's like just kind of like a wave of emotion. It's going to pass and I don't want to just always be, you know, sp splattering. Right. That's the word I'm going to choose for that. Yeah. Um, just <laughs> throwing that on him and having him have to process it. So I would say just, you know, a good support system has been huge for mm. me. Uh, and then also this is odd, but I, um, I feel like it's been a little easier for me to handle in a sense that I don't really, I don't personally know anyone else going through a situation like ours, mm. uh, where um, in the sense that I think that because our situation is so unique that I don't really have anyone else to compare it to in the sense of how are they dealing yeah. with it? Mm -hmm. Like, wow, how, you know, and you probably feel the same way. Right. Like, I think it would be a lot harder if I'm like, wow, they're, look, they're doing great. And I'm over here struggling. Like, I don't really know how anyone else handles this. Mm. I don't, have that system a, necessarily a manual to, to like yes yeah for how to right. walk through this right by any means wow um I, I i would love to hear about how this has affected your marriage mm. uh because i i mean i i can kind of tell by the way that you're you're talking about this it seems like it's really bonded you guys together in closer ways i'm sure there were times where it was like frustrating as well but how would you describe your marriage has been impacted by this obviously has definitely been impacted. So we were married for two years, turned, we celebrated our third, turned, we celebrated our third year anniversary in rehab. Um, wow. And, and it's kind of crazy because our uh, six years is coming up in August. And so we will, we will have been married longer as a paraplegic couple than as a, a yeah. old body couple, right. I guess is the proper way to say that. <laughs> That's the political, uh, yeah. politically correct term. Politically huh? correct. But it's been, um, you know, I, I obviously, I think if we had been married longer, like if it was like 40 years and he was injured, I think I'd probably have a better gauge. But at this point, it's starting to feel pretty normal, which at mm. first was kind of scary for me. Like, oh, I want to remember all these things, you know, in our marriage when it first, you know, the first couple of years. But right now it's just, I mean, I feel like we've got a good thing. Um, you know, we've got a good thing going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it has it has forced us to communicate. I think mm. has been the biggest thing we've learned through this is just talking through and being patient with each other. Um, and me, you know, helping him when I can or when he wants help, but then also not forcing myself into a situation if he, you know, not right. enabling him to do things. Um, yeah. But I mean, I love our marriage. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's great. Um, that's awesome. So that's been, it really has been kind of, I don't know. I mean, I think I would have loved our marriage either way, but I do, uh, I feel, I feel like we've got a special little bond going on that none yeah. of you guys get experience because. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. Because yeah, when you walk through things that other people haven't mm -hmm. walked through, you do experience and pull back layers of things that other people that, are not yeah. able to experience. Yeah, not to brag, but. <laughs> no, but there is a, there's a level at which I think people are so fearful of. Mm -hmm 
pain or tragedy or, and the reality is it's going to, it's coming for all of us, right? I mean, Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble, you will have sorrow. And the, 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 the question is not, are we going to, the question is, when are we going to, you know, and what are we going to do when that pain and that trial comes into our lives? How are we going to respond to it? Are we going to respond to it and, and allow it to, to shake our faith to where we're not able to move forward in it or to shape our faith? And that's what I'm hearing you say is that this has shaped your faith, mm-hmm. both of you guys individually, but also together as a married couple. It's caused you to have a stronger marriage than what you maybe even would have had right. had your life been quote unquote normal. Yeah. Um, I would also say that... Um, one one thing that you know I tell people is just just be kind, and I think yeah. a lot of it comes down to that. Is I was uh, reading about a quadriplegic couple, and they were they were having issues with their relationship, but the things that were coming you know out of their mouths, I'm like, this isn't a quadriplegic issue. This is just you're not being nice to each other. Wow, yeah. uh, and so I think oftentimes we we like to mask the issue, right? We're just oh hmm. well, they're you know we're going through a hard time, or he's paralyzed, so this is really frustrating. Like. No, like just be kind with your words, be kind with your actions, yeah. um, be kind with your thoughts. I mean, if you're f- feeling frustrated, just step back, take a minute, you know, and, and don't take that frustration out on your spouse or your loved one or your friend because that, it's not fair. Yeah. It's not fair to them. Yeah. Um, that's so, so good. What you're saying is no matter what your physical health looks like, right. no matter what your circumstances on the outside look like, your emotional health can be strong, mm-hmm. right? Um Scripture talks about don't fear the one who can who can kill the body or steal the body or destroy your body, right? Fear the one who can destroy the soul. Mm-hmm. The soul is the thing that ultimately someone cannot steal from us our integrity. Someone cannot steal from us what God is doing on the inside of our heart, no matter what we walk through on the outside. And this is a powerful concept because mm-hmm. people can use their external circumstances as an excuse to treat people mm-hmm. poorly, mm-hmm. to have, but really what's going on is just bitterness. bitterness out of the overflow yeah. of the heart, the mouth is speaking and it's just spewing this nastiness. Um, and, and I love that you guys have recognized that and even are able to share with other people like, hey, no matter what circumstances are, yeah, we can walk through this in a very healthy way and right. we can become um, even closer yeah. through these circumstances. What an incredible thing. Now you guys are doing some some work with helping other people as well through all of this. You found some purpose in your pain. I know that you've done some some blogging and you yeah. you guys are doing some stuff with accessibility. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about this and and what how did that transpire and how did that come about? Yeah, so it's I will say it's just mainly me. Derek <laughs> Derek kind of stays out of that area as far <laughs> as the blogging is concerned, but um, we had been blogging about the house renovation when yeah. the accident happened. So a lot of people find the name strange. Our blog, social media stuff is all called Lavender's Longshot. Mm-hmm. And our last name's Lavender. And the house that we were renovating was actually called Longshot. Uh, and I like to tell people that uh, we were before Chip and Joanna Gaines were naming their <laughs> houses. So we weren't on that train yet. Um, and then when Derek's accident happened, I started thinking like, okay, how am I going to keep people up to date with what's going on? I want to make sure, you know, they have updated information, be praying for us. So I just took the blog and just started blogging. And then I remember one of the doctors saying, it's going to be a long shot if he walks again. Wow. And I was like, well, there you go. I don't that's really have to change the name at all. So that's been kind of the, wow. the platform. I feel like that God has at least given me, um, 
to, to be able to, to help other people. And yes, we had the opportunity to speak at a women's conference and I spoke at it. And then Derek came in and said, I'm going to do the question and answer with you, which was like huge. He's never volunteered to do something like that. So it's been neat to see him kind of open up and take people's questions and try to help just raise more awareness for yeah. accessibility in general. And uh, yeah, so we, we blog, I blog about that and then also like accessible design. So just helping people design their home mm -hmm. and spaces around a wheelchair or any type of, yeah, assistant device. Um, and then we did, so this isn't on the blog. Uh, we actually, uh, just opened a business called Lovewell Fundraising. It's just an all online free fundraising platform, uh, using Mudlove products. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with Mudlove. No, huh? Uh, so yeah, just helping people fundraise in like a really cool way. Um, they did a fundraiser for us when the accident had happened and, and That's I mean, cool. we know fun, you know, it's awkward to ask people for money, so right. let's give them something cool they can sell. Right. So we just, that just launched last month. So we've been helping. Wow. Anyways, that's a lot, but yeah, uh, it's been awesome. it's been really really neat to see just the avenues and um, ways that we've been able to help people walking through similar yeah. situations. It's crazy. There's like twelve thousand well twelve thousand spinal cord injuries happen a year. Seriously, which is it's more than I thought. But then when you start yeah. thinking about it, it's like, well, that's not very many when <laughs> we live in Indiana <laughs> and there's like you know. Um, but yeah, so it's been neat just to see the, the families and um, and people we've met through through the injury that yeah. we wouldn't have gotten to meet otherwise. Have you found that that using your pain for a purpose, like using oh. it to, has really helped you even in healing? Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, you know that. Just sitting down and like writing our story out and being able to see the way that God has used it to, to help other people has, has been really helpful for me. Um, in a sense that I, yeah, you kind of find a, a little bit of a purpose in it. Yeah. Leanne, this has been a great conversation. Oh, good. It's hey, so I've really fun. enjoyed it. That's been so great. Um, so how can people follow you? How yeah. can they kind of follow the, the Lavender's Longshot? Lavender's Which, by the way, shot. what a beautiful, beautiful storytelling of God. Isn't that crazy? It's, it's cool. I mean, the weird things that he's done to like set up our story has been really, really that blows Me, my mind. Yeah. That's where, and that's why I want to encourage people, like, find those mm -hmm. things in your story. Oh, they're there. They're there. I mean, they're there. If you look for them, you will find the, I mean, my, I mean, one of the other ones I often tell people that's just like crazy is my mom's cousin. So I always called her Aunt Julie growing up. She works at our insurance company, specifically with spinal cord patients going to rehab in Illinois or Indiana. And I, I mean, I didn't know what she did. And she's like, um, I have Derek's paperwork and was able to get, get us through. Wow. It's just like crazy stuff like that, that I look back, I'm like, this was, this was the plan all along. I think yep. God always knew that this was going to be our situation. And yeah, how, you know, how can you find those, right. those places in the most painful circumstances that you can look back and say, right. wow, that was... Yeah, that, and that doesn't mean that God isn't sad. You know, it doesn't oh, mean absolutely. that he's not like sad with what's going on or empathetic towards what's going on or, you know, he's not up there thinking, ha ha, I finally have you, right. you know where I want you. Um, but in, in, a, in a way of just knowing that he kind of had that plan the right. whole time. So. And I believe it's quite the opposite. I believe he's extremely sad. He's mm -hmm. just, I mean, you see Jesus come on the scene of uh, Lazarus mm -hmm. before he raises him from the, he knew That's he was going to raise my him. notes. He knew it. There we go. He knew he was going <laughs> to raise him from the dead. And yet he comes on the scene. He sees everybody weeping and he weeps. Yeah. Shortest verse in the Bible, but 
probably, if you think about it, the most profound, because it's a moment where Jesus goes, this is not how it was supposed to be. Yeah. It was not supposed to be this way where sin comes in and destroys and breaks everything that I wanted and deemed to be good. And so I think it's like, as God's looking at the brokenness and sin and our lives and how their, you know, sin's going to affect our lives, he's going, all right, watch this. I'm about to intervene. Yes. I'm going to do something really, I'm going to weave this story of redemption into every one of these things. And, and I think we have the opportunity to either find those things, right? Look for those thumbprints, look for those little, those little mm-hmm. weavings, the threads in our story that show us that God is with us. Or we can choose to ignore them. And I think whether we're an optimistic by nature person mm-hmm. or whether we are skeptical, you know, I hate to use pessimists. pessimists I know, are, I don't want to bash on you pessimists out Well, there. pessimists, they just, they, pessimists need, just need to, they need Jesus. <laughs> but skepticism <laughs> is probably the other, like, you know. you guys out. Yeah, yeah, skepticism is the other. You know, skepticism is like the, the, the good side, I think, of the the redemptive side of kind of that side of the spectrum where it's like, I'm a little skeptical. I'm a little bit like, you know, I'm not going to just like, it's You're not grumpy about it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Pessimists yeah. Grumpy. Pessimists sometimes yeah. are grumpy and bitter and they're just angry yeah. at the world. Right. There you go. Bitter yeah. is the right word. Right. Right. But whether you are optimist or skeptic, no matter what it is, you have the opportunity to look for the threads of God's mm-hmm. story. And I think that's really, really important. So I'm so yeah. proud of you guys. Thanks oh. for looking for those threads and yeah, thanks for, having for leveraging and... your pain to help other people. Okay. So before we sign off, tell me where we can find you. How can we follow you? Yeah. So on Instagram, we're at Lavender's Longshot. And then on our blogs, lavenderslongshot.com. We're just basically just type in Lavender's Longshot and you'll find it. Also, it's D-E-R-S. A lot of people spell oh. lavender with an A, but it's like the color. Wow. Wow. It's like the classiest name. And I didn't even get to pick it. It's pretty great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Leanne, thanks so much thanks for joining for us, man. Me. It's been I a pleasure. Appreciate it. It's been good talking to you guys. Mel, Leanne was such a fun podcast guest. I know. I When you said that she reminded you so much of Christy, I could totally see that. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, what was so refreshing, and I think this is what I love about sevens, is that healthy sevens are able to, even in the midst of pain, they're able to bring fun into the equation. And they are able to keep a sense of humor. They're able to keep things light enough. And sometimes you just have to laugh. In the midst of pain, you just got to laugh. You got to just, okay, we're going to take this thing in stride and go. And yep. um, and so if you're, if you're wanting to follow a little bit more of what Leanne does, she's got a great Instagram, Lavender's Long shot. Uh, she's got a, they've got a website where they do accessibility uh, or accessible design services. It's so cool how they've turned this whole thing around into a purpose uh, where they where now create a business to help yep. people who, so you cool. know, w- that need handicap accessibility. And so le- uh, lavenderslongshot.com, lavenderslongshot.com and follow her on Instagram because she's just a fun follow. I'm yeah, constantly I'm- seeing Christy like watching her stories and she's like, Leanne's just so fun. <laughs> oh yeah. I definitely want to check her out. Um, uh, and we also want to say thank a big thanks to Ryan at sleeping at last for providing the music for the nothing is wasted podcast. You can find um, his music over um, at iTunes or any place that music can be streamed. Yep. And before we close, why don't you listen to an excerpt from the next interview of the nothing is wasted podcast.
I personally really grew up still in that era, especially in the church where we didn't really talk about Mm. emotions. And so I really personally was on a quest to understand myself and understand my, I felt like I knew a lot about God and I loved God and I, I'd been raised in a Christian home and I um, wanted to follow God. And I, I knew I needed to serve other people and I, I had a natural serving instinct. I enjoyed helping people that counselor part of me has certainly been there for a long time, but I had no clue how to understand myself 